You see some of the people that fly, that would be a bad idea. <laughs> a lot of people would be getting those overhead blankets. <laughs> I'm going to need another blanket. <laughs> Welcome to AT Banter, the podcast where we discuss anything and everything regarding the world of assistive technology with our hosts, Steve Barkley, Rob Minot, and Ryan Fleury. Now, let's banter. And welcome to another episode of AT Banter. I'm Rob Minot, and today... I'm joined by Steve Barkley. Hello. And look who's here today, Ryan Flurry, back from the wilds of Alberta. Hey, glad to be back. Out of Tornado Alley. That's right. A little scary. Was it? Did you get a tornado? There was a final cloud in Sullivan Lake about 20 minutes from where we were. Really? Yeah. Touchdown. This is not to be confused with a funnel cake, which is That's delicious. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it was interesting. But we're here. Yeah. Wait, you weren't staying in a trailer park, were you? Because those nope. things are death traps. Nope. No Alberta. trailer parks. Whenever you hear about a tornado touching down, it's always in a trailer park. Yep. There's a reason for that. There's a scientifically plausible reason for that. The The metal roofs on them uh, create really? a uh, artificial low pressure uh, zone. So the uh, tornado gets sucked right into it. No kidding. I did not know that. That's climate talk with Steve Barkley. Something like that. I probably have it backwards. It might be a high pressure zone. I can't remember. Anyway, so high low. they apparently suck tornadoes straight in because of the metal roofs. Hmm. Interesting. I did not know that. Well, it's funny though. It always hits Oklahoma. So is there a high? I think there's a lot of trailer parks. A lot of there. trailer parks in Oklahoma. I think so. Yeah. I, I could be just generalizing, but could be a vacation destination. So I have to stay, have to thank Rachel for stepping in last week and. On the superhero show. She was amazing. She was really good. She yeah. was she was a superheroine. She, she was. was. Yeah. She did very well. Um, in fact, I think that at some point we might even open this fourth mic. Yeah. Could do. Yeah. Yeah. I think it would be interesting to have a you know female perspective on occasion. That would be good. Add a little estrogen to the table. Yeah, it is a bit of a sausage fest right now. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. You guys are ready? I'm ready. Get get the rest of this thing out so Steve can go back to his staycation. Staycation. Yeah. Staycation. Working my ass off oh, at home. They get away. <laughs> was it the Bengals, the Go Go's? Uh, was that? that was the Go Go's. The Go Go's. No, the Bengals with those. The Bengals. <laughs> Bengals. <laughs> they're, they're a football team, Ryan, you <laughs> stupid idiot. <laughs> Good one, Rob. I'm impressed. You knew that. That's right. Uh, Rob knew something about sports. Yeah. What city are they in, Rob? Weird. Uh, you know, I, I know this. They're Cincinnati. Wow. Oh, look at wow. that. I know, right? <laughs> I was even iffy on that one. Cincinnati? I think it's Cincinnati. I had to yeah. think about it. Wow. Impressive. It was probably on WKRP at some point. <laughs> <laughs> That's the reason I knew it. Everything Rob knows he learned from WKRP in right. Cincinnati. That's right. Who needs school when you got TV? That's right. Turkeys can't fly. Yeah. That's right. They can't? No. Oh. Don't you remember that? That was a classic episode. <laughs> I'll like, we'll go back and watch it. <laughs> Oh my God. Turkeys Killing are you. raining down from the sky. <laughs> oh, was, I, oh, God. I nearly pissed <laughs> myself that one. That was the best episode of television ever. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know. The uh, the episode of Taxi where Jim Ignatowski takes his driving <laughs> test still stands out as That's true. That's one that. of my favorites. Uh, Next week's show, Classic TV. There you go. Hey, that's not a bad idea. Yeah. Uh, so what do we got lined up today? Today we are going to be talking to Kim Kilpatrick about the Get Together with Technology program that she's running. Um, but first, uh, we got a few things to talk about. We do. Um, right off the top, uh, there's an interesting little development. Uh, a group of U.S. scientists. I saw this. This is amazing. Have uh, managed to. Um, help mice with optic nerve see again now i know what you're thinking you're thinking who, who cares you know i i don't care if my mice can see i just that's true well, gonna, it's very I'm good to trap them anyways i prefer they didn't see it coming but very uh, good news but, for the three blind mice <laughs> indeed indeed but um 
one of the one of the problems with uh, optic nerve damage is once the optic nerve is damaged, uh, these uh, particular pieces of the nerve uh, called axons, um, they shorten, they disconnect, and they, they shrivel up. And uh, what these scientists have managed to do is they have found a way to get these axons to stretch out again. And remarkably, what what happens is not only do they stretch back out again and connect to the relevant point in the eye, but they also connect to the relevant point in the brain, almost as if they remember exactly where they're supposed to go. Yeah. Um, and uh, this, um, uh, this treatment that they've come up with uh, actually led to a 500-fold increase in axon regrowth. Now, uh, not all of the axons managed to, uh, to sprout again, but uh, the ones that did, uh, did it with impressive speed and uh, did it with sufficient distance to, uh, to meet the brain. So it's a, it's a small step forward. It, you know, it doesn't translate into uh, humans yet, but uh, it is a important step forward because it, uh, it overcomes one of the biggest concerns about uh, tissue regrowth in the optic nerve. Well, I think too, that they wanted to start human trials within five years. And one of my issues is that my optic nerves were severed in, in my accident. So there may be a point in my lifetime where I can regain sight again. Which would be pretty cool. It would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. The, what I found interesting about it is that, you know, they found that basically just visual stimulus was one of the major things that helped these axons regrow. Um, and the way that they did it is they just uh, exposed the mice to bars on a screen that were moving in different directions. And that just that visual stimulus alone repeatedly, along with... Uh, Obviously, nerve-growing chemicals, whatever whatever those are, um, was enough to to make these things regrow. So maybe I need to sit in front of my TV with like a color That's, graph or something. I'm just thinking that. I think we sit you in front of Netflix, yep. season two of Daredevil, and mm -hmm. uh, you know, pump some chemicals into you. And, there you go. Oh, there you go. I, I just find it inspirational that it was bars that helped because I've always found bars very helpful myself. <laughs> That's right. Bars kind of slow you down. Different bars. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> Sounds like there's still a few way, few years away from from uh, human trials, but it's still it's it's pretty astonishing article. Indeed, as articles go, very exciting. And we'll link to it in the show notes. Yes, we will. Okay, this next one. Uh, this next one's interesting. I, I might have a little bit of a mini rant about it, but <laughs> does, shut up, Flurry. Uh, <laughs> we might, we are going to rant. We, a fight might break out. I don't know. This, yeah, the next story is is essentially um, a story about Air Canada and how it. Well, the story itself is about um, a settlement that that was reached uh, about a complaint that was launched in around 2007, I believe, about the lack of accessibility in the Air Canada in-flight entertainment system. Um, and as a result of that complaint, Air Canada has been, over the past seven years, eight years, making a lot of um, improvements to the system to make it a lot more accessible. And in fact, now their in-flight system on a couple of the models of their airplanes, I believe it's the... 787s. They actually have a text-to-speech system. So it's a pretty exciting time for people who feel that they need 200 movies on an airplane. Um, well, there's more to it than, than just movies, though, because those in-flight systems also give you access to music, radio, uh, um, TV shows, as well as the in-flight map that tells you where you are in your travel and how far you are from your destination as well. So there's there's other bits of information besides just movies. Fair enough. Well, it wasn't fair enough an hour ago when we talked well, no, about no. this. <laughs> well, that's fair enough. My point, okay, my my problem with this is has nothing to do with the accessibility. My problem is just that since when do we need 200 movies on an airplane? Like you can't just sit on an airplane for three hours and just experience 
What about 22-hour flights? The miracle of flight? Like, I'd bring a book. I don't know. Listen to a book. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aren't, aren't you the same guy who complained about Canadian Netflix not having enough titles? Yes. Well, that's, but that's at it, home. This is that's the same guy, right? Yes, I'm it not, is. I'm the same guy here. I'm not, I had this argument with him this morning. I'm he listens not, to music on the bus And there's how many work. titles on Netflix? Yeah, yeah, instead of looking around the scenery and enjoying the ride. Yeah. But I bring, like, that's, I bring my own entertainment onto the train when I'm coming into work. Oh, that's listen to Mr. Self-Entitlement. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, do we really, can't you just sit on a plane for three hours and just enjoy the miracle of flight? No. No. Like, you're flying in a tube at 800 miles an hour. You're going to be in Paris in a day. Normally, you'd have to take a steamership for six months to get there. How old are you? <laughs> You've never been on a steamership in your life. No. <laughs> never seen one. No, that's true, but... <laughs> I don't know. It just, it seems overkill. And you I don't fly that The often. last time, and granted, I haven't flown a lot, but the last time I flew, I had two choices of a movie. It was either Charlie or the Chocolate Factory. I don't even remember the other one. I, neither of them that I was interested in. That's neither why you need 200. Watch. I read a book. I read a book and took a nap. And that was, and that was fine. That's all I needed. I, I, I don't know. I'm a six foot two traveler. <laughs> I don't even fit into their seats. That's right. I am uncomfortable from the moment I sit down to the moment I arrive. I want entertainment. <laughs> I want a distraction. A book is good. That's true. But after a while, you just tend to nod off. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you, you like to have your... Stimulus. You like to have your options. But no, well, that's probably why flights are so expensive. You got to pay for all the damn movies. Well, it's not the movies. Yeah, it's probably licensing. That's, well, that's sure that yeah, too. Absolutely. But I mean, it really, if you wanted to do something entertainment wise, I would think you'd be better off like build a movie theater in the airports so that for like people who are like have to lay over for six hours in Minnesota, give them something to do. That's not a bad idea. See, mm -hmm. like forget the plane. Once you're on the plane and you're actually in the air, that's the best part of the trip. It's those it's the layovers that kill you. Then your airplane ticket should include the price of that theater. It's exactly. So you can just walk in. There you go. Somebody, yeah. somebody call Vancouver Airport right now. That's right. That's right. Need a movie theater. Yeah. Um. All right. Okay. Well, we. Okay. So we got a bit sidetracked on that. We should probably get back to talking about the accessibility aspect of this. But, um, it sounds like it's it's good news, and it sounds like Air Canada is kind of at the at the forefront of, of making all these services, um, accessible. They're going to be the first airline in the world to uh, to have a uh, an accessible uh, text to speech accessible solution on their uh, planes. Yay! Makes me very happy. You don't fly. I do. Linda and I fly frequently. Do you? Yeah. We get two for one on Air Canada. It's lovely. Nice. Mm -hmm. And the entertainment system is just an add on. See now you can enjoy all those Adam Sandler movies exactly on your flight. Yeah. Or his my friend Dharma or Dharma and Greg or his full Dharma. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, next uh, we have a little story about a small Brooklyn-based startup that that uh, I thought was pretty interesting. How do you even say this company name? I was hoping you would know because really? okay. I did not want to take a stab at this. Yeah, so I'm going to let you do that. Okay, I, I'm going to go with Ferenexo. Furry Nexo. Yeah, that sounds good. That's Furry Nexo. It's a combination of the Japanese word to touch and the Spanish word connection. And if I knew either of those words, I would probably know how to pronounce this word. But seeing as I don't know either the Japanese word to touch or the Spanish word for connection, I am pretty much we're working. We're working in the dark. Yep. Um, but the interesting part about this startup is that their work, all their technology that they're using is is all open source, which I thought was pretty important. Um, their first product is something that they're calling the sound sense. And it's essentially a device that somebody with, with hearing loss can wear to be alerted to any sort of loud sound, like a police siren or a smoke alarm. But it could also be tailored towards voices and it, it will give the user a little bit more awareness of what's going on around them audibly. Um, and it just works as it's just it's just a matter of it's just a shell and with a motor inside that vibrates essentially when there's a I guess a decibel level reached once once the noise hits a certain level right right so it's a pretty simple concept um, they're working on a couple other things 
but they you know the the potential is is um really limitless mainly because it's all open source so anybody can go in and and tweak and tailor any of the technology that these guys are going to be coming up with yeah so they're, they're creating a developer pro uh, portal um and uh, they're asking people to join that that portal and uh, help um, evolve these products that they're coming up with. Another project they're working on is a uh, a um, device for uh, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, um, which uh, is designed or which they're designing, I should say, uh, to uh, uh, tackle the challenge of getting kids with ADHD to pay attention in school without teachers having to call on them. Right. Essentially, the teacher would be able to, to dial up the vibration if she noticed a, an ADHD kid not paying attention. That would alert him that he needs to pay attention without calling necessarily calling him out in class. So it's right. like a shot caller on your student. Pretty much. Nice. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I'd want to refer to it quite that way, but <laughs> nice. <laughs> but Same that, principle. that could be a viable solution too. <laughs> well, I think we need one of those for the office. Yes, right. Put one right. of those on you. Ryan's not paying sure. attention. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Wake me up once in a while. <laughs> so. I think that's it. I think that's our, those are our news stories. So they are. All right. So today we are very pleased to have with us a very special guest. Uh, today we have Kim Kilpatrick um, from the Canadian Council of the Blind with us. And she's going to chat a little bit with us about uh, the Get Together with Technology program. How you doing, yeah, Kim? Hi. hi, guys. Thanks for Thanks for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me on. I love your podcast. I was very excited when I first uh, found it. <laughs> to have a Canadian tech podcast is very nice. Not that the other ones aren't nice, but it's nice to have something in Canada. Absolutely. We say A more. Okay. That's right. Well, and I think to know the prices in Canadian dollars, like sometimes you get excited about something and then you realize it's in <laughs> American dollars or... You know, some of the Canadian apps, I think, are a little bit different and whether something works in your country, you know, like hearing all about Amazon Echo and then like look it up and it's, oh, it's not in Canada. That's right. And a few things like that, you know, so it's really nice to have one well, of we, our own. Yeah, we try to talk uh, about the Canadian aspect. About, about, about Canadian. And we even try to we try to even keep it on topic about technology on occasion. Sometimes. Sometimes. Mm -hmm. Sometimes. Well, we mostly you do, I think mostly. so. Yeah. Except I mean it's except great for the super to talk about episode. that. That's because Rob does all the editing. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's also cool to hear people talk about um, well, you haven't done this yet because you haven't been in a winter yet, but I always find, you know, some places when you talk about technology and it's not relevant to snowy or weathery conditions with some of the canes that you guys have now and other things, I find that'll be good that you'll have a winter themed podcast yeah, that's a, sometime. That's a good point. Yeah, I think we need a shovel cane, a shovel tip. <laughs> that's a great yeah. idea a plow that's right a plow can and a, and a sled for the dogs like so we can sit in it when yeah one of those big triangular uh, icebreakers like they put on the fronts of trains that's right yeah, yeah. cow catchers yeah. i think so and and just even how apps work and are there gloves um you know last winter using blind square and my eye device and and someone told me about these gloves that you can wear that you can feel your your phone will respond to your fingertips, whereas they don't, you know, and things like that, like just did, wintry things. Did you know you can do that to any pair of gloves? Oh, no, I Here, didn't. Here's a, here's a little life hack for you. There, You can, uh, if you go into a craft store, you can get uh, silver thread. And yeah. what all you have to do is just put a little cross, uh, just sew a little cross of silver thread on the tip of the finger that you want to use as oh. your stylus. That's awesome. And uh, you can do that with any pair of gloves. Wow. Wow. I didn't well, there that. you go. See, you wouldn't know that in the U.S. or Britain or Australia. Well, there's definitely parts of the U.S. they would know that in. Yeah. <laughs> but more like a lot of Minnesota. the tech programs. Yeah. Yeah, Minnesota. Yeah. Minnesota, yes, they would know. They might know that one. But. <laughs> so maybe we should start at the beginning. And if you could take us through just how Get Together with Technology started up. 
in 2011 or so, I was talking to a friend of mine who is a retired a teacher of the visual impaired here in Ottawa. It was actually my ITBI when I was in school, but we've been friends, you know, since that time. And we were just talking about technology and blind people, and we started to think about, I think I had been to a tech fair type display, and I said, well, I wanted to check out, I don't remember what, but either a braille display or some kind of talking talking book player or something that talked and it was really loud in the room and I know you guys have done enough displays to know that it's not ideal conditions for blind people to check out things because it's loud and crowded and you don't really get any time with uh, devices and I was saying you know if if it was someone buying a car or a even a stereo system or something you would be in a store you would get to listen to it you would have ideas from other people as to what it did and how well it did it. And because access tech can be more expensive sometimes than off-the-shelf tech, I was thinking there should be some way that we can do something to to help this. And we were just talking and brainstorming, and then we wrote a local a grant for a local community foundation to start uh, what we call Get Together with Technology. Because before that, she had done some after-school programs called Get Together in the Community for Kids Who Were Blind or Low Vision um, that were mainstreamed and didn't get a chance to meet other people who were blind, low vision. So that was sort of the beginnings of, of GTP. So we were and the co-coordinators of GTP. And we started to have groups come together here in Ottawa. Um, it would be, and it still is, topics based on what the group wants. So it's peer-led and peer peer mentoring and people helping each other out to get the most out of any kind of technology. High-tech, low-tech. The thing, like you said about the gloves, you know, those kind of things, those little tips that people have, but also what's the best screen reader, what's the best magnifier, what are the best apps for this or that or something. And... Um, so we started that and we, we kept getting some more grants. And then we did want to partner with the local blindness groups and organizations. And what we did was kind of like a gap analysis. So we went to CCB, who does Canadian Council of the Blind. They do a lot of community, uh, they do a lot of blindness led and based groups, a lot of peer things, um, some sports ones and book clubs and other things like that. So we talked to them. And we talked to our local CNIB and also teachers of the visually impaired here at the boards and just saying, what are you doing now? And what, how could we help fill in the gaps of this? So we didn't want to cover what someone else was doing. And those organizations all um, partnered with us to start GTC here in Ottawa. And we had meetings in different locations. And the group voted on the location that they wanted to stay at, which was the CCB National Office, which is this very centrally located. So that was how it all got started. And then we started to get more grants and it got bigger. And CCB invited me to come on board with them. Uh, and they would kind of house the program at CCB. We still love to have lots of collaboration among either blindness, but other groups as well, sometimes. Uh, and we've gotten some more grants to do. Um, we have a, a in Ottawa to try to expand this more to seniors and to youth and to people with blindness plus additional disabilities. Also, we provide, you know, phone support and help. Um, I think that I found... So I found that about the uh, the technologies. I also would be frustrated sometimes when non-blind or low-vision people were training me and they didn't actually know, nor should they know, um, as much as I needed to know about something that a blind person uses every day. Same at the Apple Store. You can go, say, to the Apple Store and get devices, and they know a little bit about voiceover, but they, they admit they don't know all the ins and outs of that. So that was one other thing. 
And the other thing is sometimes you get a device and you get a little bit of training and then you forget, uh, you forget and maybe your training is run out through assistive devices program or some other thing, but you just want to know, you want to get a little help and support. So that would be when people can contact me by email and Albert Ruel, who is working GTT in the Western part of Canada. Um, but other people, I know people within the blind community who are the best resource for something specific. And I can ask on our blog or on Facebook, does anyone use this? And could you help someone with it? So it's really the blind and low vision community helping each other and learning from each other. And I always learn. I just learned now about the gloves, but I always learn something. Um, and also we, we're always welcoming access tech companies or mainstream companies and people who are testing um, new things to come and ask us for input or talk to us because it is a great, great thriving community of blind and vision people, I find. And I also find people new to blindness, they get a lot of peer mentoring, not just about technology, but about living, you know, as a person who's blind or has low vision. Uh, it, it's really, it's really amazing. And I, I'm not saying that because I started it, but I just find there's so many things that happen. And Steve, you've been at GTT. I don't know if either yeah, of the I've other of you have been at any, but it's, it's just really great to know what happens when people are together and learning and teaching each other and helping each other. Yeah. Ryan will be uh, joining me next week at, uh, the, uh, the one here in Vancouver. Oh, okay. <laughs> Ryan, no. I, I sent you a calendar in. Yes, you did. Yeah. <laughs> it's on there. <laughs> Wednesday, right? Wednesday, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah and I, the nice thing about that is some younger people, blind people, are helping to run that so that they also get work experience. And and my summer students, awesome. one of them is blind, getting work experience. And, you know, those kind of things are, are really important to me that it is the blind. I don't want to say the blind leading the blind, but in a way it is like that and I just feel that it empowers all of us to to do it and to ask the questions, the hard questions. And I, I I will say you guys have always been awesome. When someone says, well, why should I get a Victor as opposed to doing everything on my phone? Um, you know, that is a valid question and it deserves a thought through valid answer, which, which you guys always do. Don't get defensive and say, well, ours is the best. You should only get that. You know, it's, I've heard many people from a rogue say, well, for some people, the phone is the answer, but for some people, you know, or if you want buttons or if you want this or you want to extend your battery life or, you know, it's just those discussions where you ask the questions before you purchase something to make sure that it is the right thing for you to have. Yeah. yeah you know, you, you, you talked about the, the mainstream experience too, going to the Apple store and dealing with voiceover. And one of the things that I've noticed at, at, every um, one of these groups that I've, I've gone to is there's always a lot of discussion around mainstream devices like, uh, you know, Android, uh, iOS, um, you know, Macs, VoiceOver, uh, NVDA, uh, you know, products that are either uh, mainstream with accessibility built in or, uh, or freeware. And, you know, you can't, you can't get support for those products from, um, from those companies, well, you, you can get limited support, but, uh, but as you say, uh, in a lot of cases, yeah. those companies don't know, uh, or they don't have staff who know a lot about, uh, about how the accessibility side works. And, and the I Apple store is very noisy. That's another, <laughs> that's yeah. another thing about it. That's and actually recently here in Ottawa, um, Leon Amberson, who is, teaches independent living skills at CNID and my summer student, Rebecca Jackson and I, went to the Apple store and we did a training to staff just about the basics of what the accessibility is. And they're really excited by it, but they say they'd have to refresh themselves every day to know this. So they have our contact info and we have theirs. As we say, we would send people to the Apple store if it's a matter of fixing, fixing a device or finding out about plans, phone plans, or trying to get you know, those things we, we do and, and we hope that they, they will tell people about BTT and about groups so that we are actually helping them to not have to do all the 
complicated um, things, know, knowing about voiceover. And they just went crazy when I paired uh, my phone with a Braille display because they've never seen that. They've seen it maybe on videos or something, but they, they never saw it. And now the Apple Store is selling some of these. I guess you know they're selling um, the Brilliance, which it yes, takes yeah. away a bit from Aroga. But it's nice to see it in a mainstream um, mainstream place, too. Again, I think it's really empowering. I guess when I was growing up, I had, there would really only be Jaws. And uh, I remember when the Kurzweil took up a whole desk, <laughs> you know, all of these things that things have changed so much. Yeah, that's actually. Um, I remember uh, touch typing and typing and typing on a typewriter, and if the ribbon ran out, you never knew it, and all of that, you know. We're we're going to do a, a future uh, episode on uh, the history of assistive technology and talk about uh, things like the uh, the massive Kurzweil and. Uh, the oh yeah, app. I yeah. saw it when early, I was a kid Braille. at W. Ross. They had one there. It took up the whole, and I learned Opticon there, which some people still swear by. Opticon. Oh yeah, they do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, that's getting away, but it, it really changes all the time. Like it, it's, it's moving and changing so much all the time, but it really does help to level the playing field for people who are blind or lowly. And it's, it's really great. Um, what's interesting to me too, is it sounds like this, it, it it's even more than just a technology meetup. It sounds like there's definitely a social aspect and a support aspect. Oh yeah, and we didn't we didn't intend it necessarily to be that way, but it is that way. The groups are very supportive of each other, and I I used to feel maybe people would be upset with, say, if you were very technologically advanced, and some people were coming in that never used technology and were, you know, just going blinder, and they didn't. But people are very supportive and very generous with their time and their patience, and. Um, I guess if, you know, if someone said to me, okay, let's have a blind peer support group and you can talk to each other about blindness, like that wouldn't appeal to me either. <laughs> like, I don't know. But if it's something that you're interested in, uh, technology is so ubiquitous and interesting. And sometimes people come to things based on their um, interest in that. So if we did a low, lower tech one about household gadgets, I mean, some people love that, but they don't necessarily want to come if you're talking about Windows 10. But then sometimes people come along anyway because they like the group and they feel happy, you know, with the support and the people around them. And just how did you get here? Oh, did you take the bus? Oh, that's really interesting. I didn't know. How, I don't know. How would you do that? Right. How would you know? Um Oh, use blind square or use whatever app or not, or use a cane or what kind of cane or what kind of tip and what kind of magnifier works for you. And all of this, these things that the room can have in there, so much knowledge and, and kindness, really kindness and compact, you know, support and laughter too, you know, like just sometimes <laughs> things are really, Really funny and uh, a lot of laughter and really great um, help to well, I everybody. Think, I think, too, the more opportunity people have to get their hands on technology or even information on technology is a huge asset. I sent Rob uh, a link this morning from the CNAB as to the number, I think, of people losing their vision per year. Yeah. And I don't know if, Rob, you had that, but it was like 50,000 people a year. Yep. I've also heard a really interesting stat that, because I have a friend who leads uh, adjusting to blindness groups through CNIB, and he said when he started it, say 15 years ago, um, it was all about whether they could drive. But now, almost equally paired with that is the worry that they won't be able to use a computer. Like it's because everyone is, you know, it's, it, I think it's becoming more. Uh, concerning to people yeah it's I, you must hear that you guys must oh yeah hear that. all the time yeah 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 and you know i i almost daily have conversations with people about uh you know they'll they'll be calling us to look at uh, you know a cctv or or some other piece of technology and they'll mention that uh you know they're 
their parent, their their elderly parent can't use the iPad anymore. It's like, well, actually, did you know? <laughs> yeah, they can. Yeah. Yeah. And it's amazing. I think that that whole mainstreaming of technology really empowered the community to expect more from the access company, not not you as a company, but the developers. Yeah, of yeah, the mainstream the other, developers. I mean, NVDA, and then you say to to uh, Freedom Scientific, NVDA and VoiceOver. Like, I have a Mac um, running VoiceOver, of course, on the Mac side, and NVDA on the Windows side, so that I have both on one computer, you know, and I, I, it's fine for me. It works, works well for me. And I think those things empowered the whole community as a whole to demand more, which I think is a good, I think is a good thing um, to say. Like we want more technology and we want it off the shelf, out of the box and out of the box. And then working with the special things we use, you know, that, 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 you can have and I, I think that's really great I, I'm really excited I get excited by that uh, yeah a lot you know and I know that that might damper your business a little bit but not really I don't think either because once someone's into technology they get more <laughs> yeah it, it is it is kind of an addiction it is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big addiction for me yeah it's it's interesting, right? Every time I hear about something, oh, I wonder if I should get that app, or I wonder if I should try that thing. That's right. That's right. Apple, I look and, Apple and Android are kind of the heroin pushers of the world. You know, it's like, here, here your first one's <laughs> free. <laughs> well, and it's I think it really is, um, it's great if the companies like yours can find a way to work with the mainstream companies to to help each other, you know? I'd love to see that too. Well, we're always, you know, we're always looking at uh, how our, our products interact with those devices and, uh, you know, making sure they do. That's, that's an important, an important piece because, you know, you really need to, you need to, to be able to interact with the, with the mainstream or, you know, your market is going to be severely limited because that's really yeah. what people want their, yeah. their access tech right. to, to uh, link up to. And always, I always encourage people to report bugs and issues to the mainstream, you know, to call at Apple, accessibility at apple.com. And they're really nice over there, but they want to know if there are things that aren't working properly for you. And what braille displays seem to not stay paired or if there's anything that's, because some people will complain about it, but I think you, you do need to contact whoever it is, whether it's mainstream or you know, or someone that made a non-mainstream device. Um, and also, I think to keep the minds open to mainstream device, I had a perfect example recently of someone was using an app on their phone to do barcode reading, and they were having real problems finding the barcodes. And then they, someone lent them, oh, one of the ID major, you know, a specialized barcode reader. Yep. And it was so much easier for them to find a barcode. And they said, you know, I'm the same with like a pen friend or one of the, some of the labeling things. Sometimes, you know, you could do all this on your phone and you think to yourself, it's going to take you 20 minutes. And sometimes those specialized ones are specialized because they are specifically made to make it quicker and easier to do. So I, I sort of feel you shouldn't throw out either one, either side. You know, you, you still have to think about the fact that. You know, CanFB Reader is designed specifically with blind people in in mind. Yeah, and we we always with, refer to it as the tools in the toolbox, right? You know, you, you yeah. can never you, you can never undervalue having a, a tool specific to one purpose. You know, just because you have an electric screwdriver doesn't mean that you're not going to have the uh, you know the manual screwdriver as well. No, I mean I have a Perkins Brailler sitting here, and I I don't use it nearly as much as I did, but I use it. Mm -hmm. And uh, the same with Braille labels or, you know, there's all kinds of things in your toolbox. And the best GPS device never supplants knowing your mobility. You know, you can't you can't supplant using a cane properly or a dog or, or a cane and a dog as I do. <laughs> yeah. And or, you know, yeah, I have apps, but I still need to read traffic and I need to know where I am and basically know. And I still use an elastic around the door handle sometimes to find a room. You know what I mean? I, it's just, uh, so I really, 
uh, encourage people to keep their mind open to all sides of it and not, like you said, all the tools in the mouths. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's what um, can you tell us about the format of the meetings? Are, are are they generally the topics pre-planned, or do the members get to vote on on maybe what technology they want to cover? Or well, usually what I do um, is first meeting of the year, say, uh, or first conference call of the year. We'll have an open kind of brainstorming time where people just throw out topics, and I want to know about this, this, and this, and then you kind of vote on the top couple and then you would have that next time but often too we'll ask within the group is there someone that could present on that or do you know someone who knows about that because sometimes if you suggest the topic sometimes you don't know anything but sometimes you do and the meetings vary a little bit usually we'll have a presentation first and then a kind of an open uh, talk and time for people to help each other out with various things. But sometimes the present, the national call, it's always just a presentation and then questions for the presenters. Um, so it varies a little bit. And I think meetings are different depending on who's there and who, what the group says. Uh, we also started a, we started a second um, GTT group in Ottawa which I don't think anywhere else has done this quite the same way yet. Or um, We found that the first group was in the evening and was primarily working age adults and pretty tech-savvy people. And so some people approached me and said they'd like to come in the daytime and they'd like it to be more basic topics, like what is a screen reader, you know? Because you come in and they're talking about voiceover and NVDNs and that, oh, and what's a screen reader? What is a screen magnifier? You know, what is Daisy book? These things like that. So we started to do that, but then people were coming in Ottawa. They were dropping in every week sometimes. So we've changed that to just a weekly drop in. And I have, um, a low vision, a low vision, well, low vision guy who comes in volunteers and helps each week with me. And we just, if people drop in, we just help them out with what they want and answer questions. And if, couple people come together well they can have a little chat so i think it, it varies depending on the group a little bit what they want to do and how the formats are i think right um but it's it is very much based on what the group wants and sometimes um you hear something in the middle of the year like last year in ottawa we heard about the library getting 3d printers and so we we said let's get them next month and see if they'll come in and talk about the 3D printers and how we might see them and could we use them or how does that work? And so then sometimes we'll change course a little bit. The same with, you know, something comes up like Windows 10 coming to the end of its free period and should blind people upgrade and people just wanted a whole discussion. So we're pretty flexible, but yeah, we, we plan ahead. In the summer in Ottawa, we're having just drop-ins where people just come a lot of GTTs don't go in the summer. The group here is very, they wanted to. So we're just doing a drop-in where people just come with their technology. They can just sit around and, you know, have a, have a good time, easy time. But, yeah, we like to have a topic, and we like to have a presenter on that topic. Um, but every now and then, you know, we'll just have a brainstorm of what topics people want to have. What right. guest speakers people want, or do they want to see equipment from someone, you know, and can we get a logo, can we get someone in with something like that? Right. So it's, but it's really group driven. It's, it's up to them what they want, you know. Right. And how many groups are there at the moment? Um, there's close to 20 now, I think. Um, there are several in BC, um, Victoria, Nanaimo, Vancouver, and, uh, and then there's Edmonton, and there's um, the National Call, Northern Ontario Net Call, because they're so spread out. And that's another thing about Canada is we're so spread out that there are times where the only way people can get it is a national call, you know, um, or a call, because they're rural and there's no one else around who's blind. So right. we do that a bit. And there's Toronto... 
There's um, some in southwestern Ontario. There's Pembroke, Ottawa, Kingston, uh, one in Halifax. You know, and there's, yeah, so there's there's a lot. I think there's close to 20 now, if you think about it, which is amazing to me, this idea kind of went like that. You never know with an idea whether it'll go or stop, but it obviously, the, the formula seems to work and the, um, the blind community is such a wonderful community supportive and I'm so honored to be coordinating it and I learn from it. I love it, you know, all the time I love it and I love the people that are so generous and good and helpful to each other and just, this really is great to, um, I never thought of myself as a, I didn't start off in technology at all. So I never really thought of myself as a, a techie person, but I really, I really am a techie person. And I love it. Speaking of that, what advice would you have to other people that maybe want to start up similar groups in, say, a different, a different realm of, of disability? Oh, I think. What I would say is, um, first of all, you have to have a technology and be, be knowledgeable, but you also have to have people skills and patience, you know, for the, for the coming to adjustment with whatever disability it is. So it's a, it's a, it's an interesting set of skills. Um, to lean on your community and get the expertise from your community. And from without of your community too. So within whatever disability group it is. Also, um, figure out what's going on now and try not to replicate things that are happening already and try to collaborate as much as possible with all of the groups that make up your community. I think that makes a big difference too. And, um, and just be willing to learn and you know, make it a really collaborative thing. And then I think it, I think it goes well that way. I think, I think, uh, that's what I would say. I think. Great. And how can people, what's the best way for people to, to contact you if they do actually want to get involved if in their area? Oh yeah. So, um, we have a blog, which is, um, gttprogram.wordpress.com and, and we post all the meetings, things up there and you can subscribe to it and get announcements, you know, on, on the various things of that. We're at GTT program on Twitter. Um, and we have Facebook. I think it's GTT program on Facebook. Um, you can email me. I, I could give both mine and Albert's. I'll give you mine and then I can forward anything westerly to him. Great. Um, you can email gttprogram at gmail.com. It's, it's easy. And then, um, you can call me. It's toll free at, at CCB national. You can call me at, um, 877-304-0968. So my extension is 513. Albert's is 550. So, uh, I'll certainly pass along anything. But certainly we try to post notes and uh, information after for various groups and we're just always around to get to get people involved and if, if people want to be involved, that's great. Um, Kim, uh, one other question just sort of off topic. Uh, I understand you're a professional storyteller. How did you get involved in that? Ah, I am. I am a storyteller. I think I was involved with that since I was a tiny kid, <laughs> but... Um, I got involved with storytelling because it's such an um, it's such an accessible art form for someone with low vision because there's no costumes or props or any kind of uh, uh, that. And also, we had a lot of um, I always listened to audiobooks growing up, so it seemed pretty natural to me to get involved. So I got involved first with the Ottawa Storytellers and with also with Storytellers of Canada, um, and I got a grant to create a one-woman show which is called flying in the dark which is about growing up as someone who's blind and um, i do that in the schools and around and festivals and stuff when people invite me to come and tell stories we also have a i have a radio show um which bram from aroga has been on our radio show oh, no way um yeah uh at ckc which is carlton university radio station 
I have a co-host, Shelly Morris, who has low vision, and we talk about all things disability. It's called Welcome to My World, and it's on Tuesdays at 9.30. I'm in 9 o'clock, 9 to 10, on ckcufm.com. So if anyone Is that morning, wants, morning or evening? Morning, morning. It's morning. 6 for you, but we're available on demand <laughs> after. Unfortunately, the on-demand page they have is not the greatest for accessibility, and we're trying to figure out how to do a podcast Um because it's all about different disabilities. It's a cross-disability show, and we talk about, um, oh, all things disability, and people with different disabilities come on and talk about what they do and how they adapt things. And So it's a really, it's fun to do that. And because it's community radio, we have to do everything ourselves, <laughs> the boards and the music and the, the playing. The whole, the whole shoot and match. I know the that feeling. The whole thing. Yeah. Well, thank uh, you so much for, for coming out. Anytime, anytime you want, we can come out and anytime you need a, a story or a recorded thing or something, we'd be happy to do it for app demos or I don't know, whatever you want, let me know. And I'm sure. And, and vice versa too, if you have any big announcements or anything you want us to mention on, uh, on the show, just, uh, just let us know. Yep. Okay. That sounds great. All right. Well, thank right. you again, Kim. Thanks, thank Kim. you guys. See okay. you later. Right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you're in Ottawa, you can come to GTT anytime. All right. Alrighty. Sounds Deal. good. Okay. See you. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Um, I, I, okay. I, I'm not sure if I should mention this or not. This is my GST fight. I, I have a letter back from the minister. Oh, do you? Oh, excellent. Yeah. And which, okay. This is breaking news, people. Right. <laughs> <This is> hot <laughs> off the presses. <laughs> All right. So as, as some of our listeners may know, uh, for some time I've been, um, chasing um our government the canadian government to lift gst on low vision and blindness products now right now the way gst is applied to low vision and blindness products um the the actual wording of the gst act is that uh, products for the blind and visually impaired are tax exempt when they are sold to or by the cnib or another bona fide blindness agency or on the advice of a physician So for a company like ours, who's selling assistive technology or any other assistive technology retailer, um, we are obliged to charge the GST unless you show up at our office with a doctor's letter because we are not a quote bona fide blindness agency. Now, if you go to CNIB and you buy that same piece of technology, boom, it's exempt. No problem. Off you go. Um, but when you come to us, We've got to first explain this to you and say, hey, you know, you've got to get a doctor's letter and then we can either refund you the GST if you've paid it or we can exempt you from the GST. So in other parts of the same act, they have other types of equipment for other uh, types of disability, say, for example, physical disabilities. Um, Any product that is designed for someone with a physical disability and that's its primary purpose, um, it's exempt, period, flat out. GST exempt. So for some years, I have been chasing various governments to try and get this changed. And this goes back for almost a decade now. I've been, I've been at this for a while. And every time I go off, I, you know, write a letter to the minister of finance and various other people, my MP and so forth. And my, my MPs to date have been very, very helpful. And, and that's uh, both my, my NDP and MP who was, who was, uh, our, our riding was NDP for many years. And, and now uh, Terry Beach, who's our liberal MP, he's, uh, he's been quite helpful. So uh, I fired off another letter to our, our brand new fuzzy um, liberal minister uh, about this same topic. And I got a letter back. So I don't know if you want me to read you the whole letter here. It's a, it's a page and a half. Well, go ahead. We have editing software. That's true. Okay. <laughs> so it says, uh, Dear Mr. Markley, thank you for your correspondence. The Government of Canada is sensitive to the health care needs of Canadians. As part of Budget 2016, our government indicated that it is committed to working in partnership with provinces and territories to negotiate a new multi-year health accord that will improve health care in Canada and boost health outcomes for all Canadians. The GST system also recognizes the importance of health care by providing tax reliefs for most health care <laughs> services, <laughs> prescription <laughs> drugs, and certain medical and assistive assistive devices. The policy regarding the medical and assistive devices that qualify for GST relief is that the device must be specifically designed to assist an individual in coping with a chronic disability, illness, or 
chronic disease, illness, or disability. Should the device have other uses, it would generally not qualify for tax relief. Well, thanks for that. I, <laughs> I know. Um, consistent with this policy, an article that is specifically designed for the use of a blind individual is relieved from GST only if it is supplied for use by a blind individual by the Canadian National Institute for the Blind or a similar bona fide institution or association for blind individuals or on the order of a spe specified practitioner. This long-standing approach ensures that the tax relief benefits only those individuals with the disability by involving entities with specialized expertise or health practitioners. The present approach is reasonable and objective in that it avoids questions that might arise for borderline cases. It also keeps the GST system as simple as possible while ensuring that healthcare products remain accessible to Canadians. In your correspondence, you suggest that a 1996 change in the GST rules impacted the medical and assistive devices for use by a blind individual that are eligible for GST relief. That particular amendment changed the terminology used in the GST legislation, but did not change which devices and articles were eligible for GST relief, specifically the amendment replacing the term practitioner with the term medical practitioner to clarify physicians as being eligible to issue an order regarding patients that require a medical or assistive device, and also replaced the expression of the blind with the more generally accepted expression blind individuals. Since that time, the legislation has been amended to provide GST relief to supplies of the eligible medical devices when supplied on the written order of a registered nurse, occupational therapist, or physiotherapist as part of their professional practice. This amendment expanded the circumstances under which eligible medical and assistive devices qualify for tax relief by recognizing the increased involvement of these health professionals in assessing when medical and assistive devices are needed. Thank you for writing yours sincerely, the Honorable Bill Morneau. Okay, well. <laughs> so basically what they're telling me is what I told them. <clears throat> Thanks for that. Yeah, that's exactly the same thing that I got back from the previous conservative minister on must have been a form of re-occasions. Um, what they fail to recognize is in the letter that I wrote to them, I'm trying to explain to them that there is no other purpose for these products. And they've come right out and they've said, hey, you know, we, we're exempting them when there's no other purpose for these products. Well, tell me what the secondary market is for a Braille display. Uh, that's right. The, the frustrating part about this is that no matter how many times I write these guys and no matter how many times I offer to come and show them the kinds of technologies that I'm talking about, they fail to recognize that there's really no other market for these blindness technologies. No, no, nobody's lining up at our door and saying, "Hey, hey, man, can I can I buy a CCTV? I could really use it to magnify my toenails." Right. That's know? right. It's, yeah. it's just not. It's not going to happen. Or Jaws. I mean, what else yeah. is Jaws going to be used for? Or right. I mean, that's insane. And but well, they seem to be afraid that there's some sort of um, borderline tech that could be used for something like low vision or blindness but maybe might be able to use in the mainstream and they might get screwed out of some GST. Like yeah, it's, and it's they're just not informed. The, the, other, the other problem that I have with this is they, they specifically say, okay, a, a medical practitioner can prescribe these things. Well, what doctor knows anything about mm -hmm. assistive technology? You, yeah, you right. find me one. Mm -hmm. You know, unless, unless there's a doctor out there who's got, you know, a, a blind kid or, or uh, you know, a relative, um, they don't know anything about this stuff. No. Nothing at all. And and here's my problem with that. I have I have two problems with, with having them go to a doctor for the letter. One, the doctor oftentimes charges mm -hmm. to write a letter. Right. If you want a letter out of your doctor, it's 50, 75 bucks. You've got to pay that. And that's not covered by your medical plan. That That's a new out-of-pocket expense. So now you're at the point where you're going, oh, well, gee, you know, I bought this device for X number of dollars. What's cheaper, paying the GST mm -hmm. or paying the doctor for the letter? Right. Um, the other problem I have with it is our doctors are already stressed to the gills. Our medical system is is mm -hmm. maxed out, and they're asking doctors to write letters that are utterly unnecessary, right. completely unnecessary. Mm -hmm. So, anyways, the fight goes on. Um, <laughs> you know, I really, you know, I've been I've been chasing this for so long, and I wonder. How much of the issue here is that this is being directed by a private company? I'm thinking that this fight really needs to be taken up by one of the 
uh, blindness organizations Absolutely. in the country. I think, yeah. I think we need to get somebody on board to, uh, to take this over because they are not hearing this from me. Uh, they, they are just flat out refusing to hear what I'm trying to tell them and, uh, and they're not engaging. So, so is that letter pretty much exactly the same as the letters that you've gotten back in the past? This, this one's actually a little longer than the ones that I've gotten in the past, but, uh, uh, but it basically does exactly the same thing. It basically tells me, you know, I, I've written them a letter saying, Hey, here, here's how the GST is being applied. Here's what I want to change. And they're writing me back a letter saying, here's how the GST is applied. Right. And I know that already. Right. And I want to change that. Well, and, you know, when I first lost my site in 1995, CNAB wasn't selling note takers. They, right. weren't, they weren't selling the high-end technology that the private companies are. Yeah. So why is there a different rule set for them as there is for us? Well, there's the assumption that there's a concentration of expertise there and they know what's appropriate and, and uh, their recommendation or their, their sale of product is going to be appropriate for that individual. Right, it carries weight. No, I don't. I don't hold this against the CNB no, no, in no, any no, way. You know, this is this is just the way it's been been worded. But yeah. um, um, but it's it's creating a ridiculous paper chase that is utterly unnecessary. Right. So, with the wording of that, though, is that when they say bona fide, like, what do they mean by bona fide? It's it's some some sort of agency that's specifically dealing with the blind, and I think they are, they're really meaning a, a nonprofit. Sure. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. Somebody who doesn't have a vested interest in because year, years ago, Roga, you know, this this goes back to I think the the nineties. We, we got audited uh, by by Revenue Canada, and uh, we we specifically asked them at that time, okay, well, can we take a CNIB card for this to, right. to exempt GST? And they said flat out, no, mm -hmm. no, you can't. Um, well, a CNIB card certifies that this person is legally <laughs> blind. But yep. they've got to still go back to the doctor who certified them as legally blind so that they can get that CNIB <laughs> card to get a letter to say that they are blind and require specialized aids. That's just nuts. Politics. Absolutely nuts. That's, it yeah. is crazy. Fight the power. <laughs> he has been. Fight uh, the power. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, I'm feeling more and more like I'm banging my head against a brick wall with mm -hmm. this one. I, I really am. It's getting very frustrating to me. You almost need a team of people, like you say, somebody high up at CNIB and somebody at CCB and, you know, get a bunch of organizations together right, and come up with a proposal. Well, I was really, I was really hopeful, um, you know, what with this being a new government, hmm. um, but also the fact that we have uh, the first ever minister of sport and, and uh, per persons with disabilities, uh, Car uh, the Honorable uh, Carla Qualtro. Right. Um, you know, I, I CC'd her on that letter. I CC'd my MP on that letter, uh, sent it to the Minister of Health, uh, Jane Philpott, uh, as well as um, the uh, Minister of Finance. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, this, this letter comes back from the Minister of Finance, um, who got forwarded those letters from all of those people. Right. Um, you know, everybody basically passed it off to him and said, Hey, this is, this is your problem. And really it is, it, it, it's, it's a decision that has to be made by finance. But, uh, um, but, uh, I was really hopeful that, um, um, you know, with it, with it being a new government, with it being a liberal government, as opposed to the conservative government I'd been chasing for the past years, I, I, I hope that I would get a better ear than this, but, uh, clearly they're, uh, no better at listening than, uh, the guys before them. Right. So what's, what's phase 37? Phase 37, I think, is probably trying to get a uh, another group to take this on. Somebody who can bring uh, maybe some credibility by being a group for the blind. Okay. Well, look, anyone listening out there wants to wants to lend a hand. Yeah. You want to take up take up the fight? Atpanterpodcast at gmail dot com. Ooh, you just rattled that. That's okay. right. Right. Impressive. Wow. I'm just going to, I'm going to cut that as an audio clip and then we'll just insert that in there. So we'll <laughs> nice. never have to say that again. Okay. What's our website? www.atbanter.com. And our Facebook page? I don't know. www.facebook.com slash atbanter. And what's our, what's our Twitter? Twitter is at at underscore banter. See, it's too bad we didn't do that in the outro because now we're just going to have to do all that again later. <laughs> you suck. You can, you can cut that in. Maybe. You can cut that in. Uh, all right. So do we want to talk any at all about our next week's show, Ryan? Or do we want to save it? No, let's save it. 
Oh, you're such a tease. You never want to. You never want to tease him. Come on, a little tease. A little tease. Little hint. Next week's show. What is next week's show? Oh, see, he doesn't even know. Forget it. Vocalize. <laughs> see, that's why I don't do it. I can't think of a spur of the moment. I'm not a spur of the moment guy. Yes, next week, Vocalize. We're going to talk to the people from Vocalize. Yeah, organization that does descriptive um, theater. theater services for Bart on the Beach this year, a bunch of plays that go on, uh, shows at the different theaters in town. We sponsored their Victoria show. Yep. Yeah, shows, shows. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to that. It's very, it's interesting, and I didn't even know that something like that was was in existence. So yeah, we'll talk about what they do, the technology they use, and go from there. Excellent, awesome. All right. Well, I think that's going to just about do it for us. We can let Steve get back to his staycation. Woohoo! Staycation. What's 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 on the what's on the uh, agenda for the rest of the day for you then? I am going to go buy a saw blade, uh, cut out a piece of, uh, of um, plywood, and mount a gun cabinet. <laughs> <laughs> That's the redneck part of the show. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, we don't want to keep them from that. <laughs> That's an awkward silence. Excellent. All right. Well, um, great. Well... If that's the case, then I will end this. And I've been. <sighs> <laughs> He's been Rob Minow. Again and <laughs> again. Who, who thought up these <laughs> damn. Okay. <laughs> Since when did, the, when did, don't we get to pick our own outro You can lines? say whatever you want. Yeah. Absolutely. Like bye for now or like, I don't know. Sure. Stay no. classy Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get out of here. Okay, I've been Rob Minow. You suck. (laughs) (laughs) Fine, then I haven't been Rob Minow. Screw y'all. And I'm Ryan Flurry. I'm Steve Barkley. And we will see you all next week. This podcast has been brought to you by Aroga Technologies. Visit Aroga Technologies online at www.aroga.com. That's A-R-O-G-A.com. Music provided by bensound.com.